0: The Duly Noted Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at Zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. And by Vistar Credit Union with locations across Gator Country. Visit VistarCU.org and also the Humidor, going the distance for fine cigars. This is Dooley Noted, everything Florida Gators, with your host, Pat Dooley. Okay, welcome into another edition of the Dooley Noted podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on. Just one this week, and uh, one next week, and then we'll see what happens after that, because we'll have to see what kind of bowl game. Where's Florida going? Because if they're in certain places, we can't really do a whole lot of podcast work, although we'll try to work on it. I don't know why, maybe we can't set something up uh, if we're in Orlando or Tampa or Miami or Dallas. I mean, who knows? But anyway, that's down the road. Plenty to talk about today. I could probably do a four-hour podcast, and uh, we have a great guest coming on, Ryan McGee. You know him from Marty and McGee. Um, I'm a big fan of his writing, too, in the back, the not the back behind the, uh, yeah, the back night, he does a great job. No, the... Um, bottom 10 does a great job there and he will be on and we'll talk to him about those two things plus his thoughts on what's going on obviously we've got there's so much news out there and I you know I'm sitting here doing this podcast and I I'm checking my phone every 5 minutes to make sure somebody else didn't quit or get fired or get hired so we'll get to that that'll be down the road we'll do three things um And we're we're not going to do the spreads. Usually we do the spreads, but, I mean, you guys all know the games that are coming up. You all probably have a vague idea of the spreads. It's more about what happens, who wins and who loses those games, and how it affects the college football playoffs. So I'll talk a little bit about that as well. First, let's start. Florida, 40, 40, FSU 17. I picked the game at 37-10. I picked it 37-10 because that was a score of Tim Tebow's last game, the last time Florida had won the Swamp. That was the significance of it. I don't know if anybody caught that. And at one point, it was 37-10, and I'm like, let's call it. <laughs> then I can get it right. Um, Florida could have won this game by a lot more if they wanted to. Uh, it, obviously, they, they were toying with them. They did some things late in that game that I certainly did not agree with. I do not agree with faking a punt from your own 19 when the game isn't decided. I thought that was a poor decision. Uh, I assume it was by Dan Mullen. Um and look, if you can't criticize somebody for making a mistake in a game where he, he made very few, and uh, you know that that's the way the world is. I mean, I'm not I'm not even nitpicking. I'm just saying, don't do that again. I don't I didn't I don't mind fake punts, but I don't make uh, fake punts up. What were they up at the time? Twenty three. You're ahead just to get the senior. You want to get the senior his another moment in the swamp? I get that, but. You gave them the ball in the 19th. If they punch it in there, all of a sudden it's a two-score game. Um, guess what? Now the game's not over. So I, I just didn't agree with that. And, and so typical Pat Dooley starting out his segment on how great the Florida win was with a negative. But uh, I, I a lot of times I just it's what comes in my head next. So let's start out. We'll go to this. Here's another thing that happened during the game that was amazing to me. The, um, the fact that they were ACC refs. And nobody told me. Nobody told me that was about to happen. And, and just to give you a little history, in two thousand three, uh, the the official, the head official was Jack Childress, and the story was, or the legend is, that I mean, the swamp was alive for that game, and and they were a little overwhelmed by it all. And if you know anything about it, Florida lost that game. They lost now. I will say this: They lost the game because Gus Scott let a receiver get behind him, and for for a deep pass, I think it was Chris Ricks was a quarterback, and that's where they lost the game. But there was so much leading up to it, and a lot of people call it the swindle in the swamp. There were all these fumbles that weren't fumbles, and not fumbles that weren't called fumbles. It was uh, it was just a travesty, and after that. Jeremy Foley said, we're not doing this anymore. We're not having ACC officials here and SEC officials there. You have your ACC officials in, in Tallahassee. We'll have them in Gainesville. And that's the way it's been forever. And, and I checked them to make sure, and sure enough, it was that way last year and the year before. But this year, um, they changed it. They changed it uh, for whatever reason. I, I don't know that I care or anything, but there were ACC officials for this game, and it was kind of – Startling to see that because I I, 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 it was such a big deal, way, way back in the in the old ages, you know, back in two thousand three when it happened. Anyway, they were pretty good referees. <laughs> I think everybody was pretty happy with them. Thirteen penalties. Look, this is it. Wasn't the story of the game, and I'll tell you what the story of the game was. But this wasn't the story of the game. But it was a nice sidebar. It was at least a fifteen inch sidebar. Was it was the same FSU we saw last year? The Willie Taggart influence has not left this team. His fingerprints were all over that game. Undisciplined as heck. Thirteen penalties. Florida had three. One of them was a bad. Kyle Pitts' penalty was a bad. You should not. You cannot do that. You can't throw a guy down like that after the whistle. That was just bad. But but they had thirteen. Including one that, that where you could have had a game-changing moment there, where Freddie Swain muffs the punt and they recover it, and um, you know they get called for illegal formation, which apparently they've been called for four or five times this year. Just lack of discipline. Good, enjoy it, Gator fans. Two in a row against these guys. Florida had no sacks; they had eight, but they were behind, so that that's not surprising. The story of the game, though, was was the receivers. Were the receivers? It should be right. Were the receivers, to me, because not only did they make some a bunch of big plays, but they basically said we'll be the running game. I'm not saying they said it. Dan Mullen said you guys are the running game, and they lived up to it. You know, when you think about it, um, how many? I, I didn't go back. I should have gone back and and uh, watched the game again and chronic chronicled how many completions Kyle Trask had were bubble screens or pop passes stuff like that because he didn't throw a lot of balls down the field to hit for three whatever it was 332 or something I guess as a team they passed for 332 but he didn't throw a lot of balls down the field to do that but he didn't have to because that's what they were doing they were backing off playing safeties deep we're not going to let them go over our heads uh and then tr- attacking the running game, which isn't hard to do with Florida. But right now, we have to take a break. we got a lot to talk about. You're not going to want to go away because we got so much coming up, uh, including Ryan McGee, a little bit later in the show. Right now, we do have to take a break. We'll be right back with more of the Duly Noted Podcast. At ViStar, we believe in better. Better convenience. So members can bank any way they want. Whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA tailgates and gator winds call for the best cigars available from around the world pick your sticks today and save at the florida family-owned site thehumidor.com get free shipping on every cigar order find boxes from the biggest brands samplers hand selected by top tobacconists or pick your own single sticks thehumidor.com going the distance for fine cigars All right, thanks, everybody, for uh, listening in. Duly noted podcast. I'm. It's going to keep going. We're going to keep it going. You know how it is. We run right through the end of spring football. But the receivers took the mantle. They said, look, well, this is our last game. We're going to do this for those four seniors. They were awesome. I I don't have this number in front of me. I wrote it in the paper. I think I added it all up, and it was 19 catches for 215 yards and four touchdowns for those four senior receivers. Uh, and they did, for, they did force feed the ball a little bit to Tyree Cleveland because it, it was his last game, and I get that. But um, those receivers are going to be missed. And, you know, they did change. A, they have a lot to do with how the culture changed with, on this Florida football team. The, they, the hard work that they were willing to put in, you know, the, the they were getting good coaching and they were taking advantage of it. They were asked to do a lot of things because of the lack of a running game, especially this year, and never complained, and never complained. Now, again, we're not in the locker room. We don't know if anybody complained or not. We, all, we only know what the coaches tell us, what people that we – we have people that are inside the program. When they, when they tell us these things, we, we tend to believe it. But These guys basically said, hey, who's starting this week? Who wants to start this week? Who's gonna get the who's gonna get the bulk of the catches? We don't care. As long as we win. Try to win the game. And that's what they did all year. Um, those four guys, and you know, Cleveland being a great example. It didn't catch a lot of balls this year, but you know, special teams he was a maniac. And and that was part of the buy in. If you're looking at why Florida has won ten and ten consecutive years, you point to those wide receivers. The buy in there. They came, they took over, you know, they come in here, you know, Jefferson obviously was a transfer with the other three, and they were promised something great, and it wasn't, it wasn't happening, obviously, and then they had to buy into a coach with a totally different offense, and I think they probably were thinking, wow, the quarterback's going to run the ball a lot, and we're not going to get the, the, but they bought in. They never stopped, so. Uh, that, to me, is when I think about this college football season. And, and look, don't get me wrong. There's not a – I don't think there's a better story in college football this year than Kyle Trask, okay? But when I think back to this year, it's going to be about those receivers and how good they were, and they're going to be missed. You know, if Kadarius Toney goes out, and his indications are he, he may be heading out, um, he tweeted uh, for his um, – that this was his last last time in the swamp, but it could have he could have met this year. But then uh, somebody told me he was taking a victory lap after the game. And okay, maybe he is done, and that's fine. Um, like I always say, it's their lives, not ours, not yours as a fan. If they want to go out, maybe they don't want to go to school anymore. Maybe they don't like uh, uh, their position coach. Maybe they don't like uh, uh, being uh, not not being able to make the kind of money they want to make. Maybe they're not going to make any money. I don't know if Kadarius Stoney's an NFL player. He's an unbelievable college player. And, you know, I think next year would be his year to really shine. But that's fine. You make your decisions based on your lives, right? Um. So, uh, there, Florida, look, Florida's going to have – that's that was the position of strength this year. And they took advantage of it. And they said, hey, we are going to throw the ball. We can't run it. We're going to throw the ball, and these receivers, we're going to count on them to make plays, to make guys miss, and to make uh, us a winning, winning team and to be leaders on, the, on and off the field. This is our position of strength, and that's what they did, and that's what a smart coach does. A smart coach doesn't run the option with John Brantley. A smart coach uh, you know, runs a little bit more with Jeff Driscoll when he's, when he's shown he can run all over the place. You know, smart coach doesn't run all the time on second down after throwing on first. Florida has a very smart coach. Um, one thing I would change, and I look, I get a, all these suggestions. People always saying, "Hey, um, hey, I know you have the ear of the coach." Yeah, right. I don't have the ear of anybody. I don't even have the ear of my wife. Um, but I know you have the ear of the coach. Well, here's something we need to do next year. Here's this. Blah blah blah. And I always say I don't. First of all, I don't. But if I did have the ear of the coach, I would. I think I would. I would go to Dan Mullen and say, "Hey, you know what? I would do. I would spend a little bit of time this summer at somebody's um, camp—not camp, but somebody's spring practice—or just visit him on campus that really knows how to get the run game going. Because what you have right now. Without a quarterback who's a runner, and Kyle Trask is you have – you're running an offense that that doesn't work in the running game because the quarterback is not a factor. You know, I know every once in a while you ran a draw and he got a few yards. Okay. But the bottom line is if now when they put Emory Jones in, it does change things, and that's the offense they want to run. But why not try to come up with different – because I think what you get in the camp, you're done. You, you aren't going to bring in a bunch of new plays. And, and when Felipe was going to be the quarterback, they obviously would count on that. I mean, he, he was a willing runner, as Dan Mullen said. And I don't think – it's not that Kyle's not willing. Kyle's just slow. Right? And, and I don't think that that's going to work. So you almost can change your offense because you know Kyle Trask is going to be your starter next year, I would think. There's no way, in, in, unless he gets hurt, that I would have anybody else starting. I mean, I, I'm contemplating putting him second team all-SEC. Um, And again, I think he's the best story in college football this year. Um, So you know he's going to be your guy, and you can always go back to some of that stuff with Emory, and if if something happened to Kyle, Emory could do it. But let's come up with a a better way to run the ball. A better way to run the ball when it's first and ten and they – they're suspecting a run. And, and and maybe it's traps they're not doing. Maybe it's guys pulling. I don't know. I don't watch the running game that closely. But I bet you that there's some things that they could do. And I'm sure they do. These are smart coaches, you know? Um, but I do want to, I do want to, uh, you know, we could talk. I could talk all day about the game uh, Saturday night. But you guys saw it and you know what happened. And you know it's pretty clear Florida was a better team. Florida's a better program. And Florida is now 10 and 2. And the other two Power Five teams in the state are 12 and 12. You got your foot on their neck, as I wrote about the other day. Don't let up. And we were already seeing some things, good things happen in recruiting. Uh, in fact, although this does crack me up, you know, everybody's made a, such a big deal about five stars. Why can't Florida get any five stars? Well, apparently, according to I think it was rivals. Uh, Derek Wingo, who is a Florida commit, now is a five-star. They moved him up to a five-star. And I'm like, well, here's what you need to do. Get somebody on the payroll at 24-7 and Rivals and all these other sites and say, hey, get these guys all up to five-stars. Then we've got, you know, you can say, yeah, we've got nine five-stars. They aren't as good as some of the guys who are five-stars, and we've got them. The point is these things are all, look, just keep doing what you're doing, Dan Mullen. I'm not going to be the guy who sits there and goes, they don't have enough five stars, man. You get the best players you think can help you and that you are recruiting for a certain style of football. You know, we've talked about this before. With their with uh, Nick Savage, they're not trying to bolt guys up. They're trying to make guys super athletes. They're trying to make uh, this army of fast, which is what the NFL is. Army of fast guys who have twitch and who can really run to the ball and get to the ball in a hurry that's what they're trying to build now but here's the one thing here's the other thing I, I I would I don't know if I'm gonna write this at some point I thought about it you know Florida had a great season this has been a great season 10 and two beat both of your state champions beat both of your rivals beat your other rivals I don't know if Tennessee's still a rival I you know, they kind of are I guess. You lost to Georgia and you lost to LSU, and and you were in the games and you had a chance to win, and they were just a little bit better than you. And they're going to play for the SEC championship, and could both end up in the college football playoff. And that those were your losses. You 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 came from behind on the road. You did you played in the rain and in, in um, South Carolina and and dealt with that and did great. You went to Missouri where you never win. You won there. I mean, this was a really great season. I enjoyed the heck out of it. And the Gator fans, I'm sure, did too. And you say, well, how come we can't get all these great recruits? How come they're going other places? And here's what I was thinking about the other day. Is Florida in the college football playoff? No, they're not, okay? All right. There's, a, there's the biggest thing you can do to recruit better. Be in that playoff. Because all, you know, that's – it's all anybody talks about nationally, okay? Does Florida have top 10 facilities? Not yet. They're going to get there, but they don't have them now. And if you commit to the to Florida, you're probably not going to have them for the first year and a half or so of your your time here, okay? Um and you know all right, it's a great university. We all know that. We all and look, I'm proud as hell to have a daughter going to the University of Florida and I keep harping on her the opportunity it is to get that degree from a great top 10 public university. What percentage of top recruits do you think that's a huge deal for? It's a deal for all of them, I think. It's a small smaller deal for most of them. But when they're listening to the 10 things they they're looking for in a school, what would be the mean seven point four, something like that. They're looking to get to the league. They're looking to play right away. That those are the two main things. What I'm saying is what Florida's selling not all of them are ready to buy yet. And they're but but it's better than it was. They're selling twenty wins in two years. They're selling national TV. They're selling game day came. Hey remember game day came? Yeah they didn't used to come. They hadn't been here forever. We got game day back in here. They're selling playing in the Swamp. The Swamp's back. That Swamp that with Jim McElwain and, and Muschamp, eh, it wasn't a Swamp. It, it had its moments, the heave, the cleave, stuff like that. But, uh, look, it, it, it has changed. And certainly the old Miss game in 15. I'll, I'll give it the Swamp as a Swamp. But on a regular basis, when you get eighty something, eighty what was it, eighty four thousand for Vandy on on a noon game, the swamp is back. So you 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 can sell a lot of things there. Am I making any sense here? My point is this: Florida's got a lot to sell. They don't quite have what some of the other schools have to sell. They're getting there, and when they build this new facility and they g- can get into the championships, play for the SEC championships. Get into the college football playoff, which is really what matters. They'll be there, but what they did this year with that roster, considering they were down in the mid sixties, it's I think at the end of the year, maybe not the last game, but you know you got not, you had an All American defensive end who never played. I mean, I know he played some, but not enough, not very much. Uh, you had another one who will be an All American probably, who missed crucial game and was and then was not healthy for the biggest game of the year. You lost your corner for a while, your All-American corner. I don't think he played great this year, but he, he played good. Um, you, you lost your starting quarterback for the year. You played a backup who hadn't played for since he was his freshman year in high school. All that stuff. And then you add in other injuries that happened during uh, through the course of it. And everybody has injuries. I get that. And you'd already you already were on a roster that was a little bit down, and you, with all that all said and done, you won ten games. Now, what is that going to mean for Florida? I'm going to talk about that. Um, I do, you know, I, I talked a little bit about Felipe in my column today. Obviously, him leaving, uh, it's a blow for my daughter. My daughter loves Felipe Franks. She's she adored him. She saw past his flaws, and uh, she's not happy, okay? But uh, Felipe did a lot of great things here and really helped the culture here. And as I said in the column, nobody could ever doubt how, how badly he wanted to play for Florida, and nobody could ever doubt how much his teammates loved him. However, the fans and he were not always on speaking terms. So um, they were shushing terms at one point. So there was some polarization there. But I do think that Felipe uh, I, I will remember him fondly you know as a Florida Gator. It was funny that in the and I was you know it's probably a cheap shot but I was gonna say in his farewell he misspelled Scott Strickland's name and I was just one more turnover but then I had people tell you I know, they, didn't, they didn't think he had anything to do with writing and he just kind of dictated it so it's not his fault anyway hate to see him go but it, I mean, there's nothing he was – he was not going to play next year. Hate to see Lucas Kroll go, but I get why he's gone. Uh, we have other transfer portals are just – it's starting to pile up already. We'll see what happens with the Ole Miss situation. Uh, Jake Bentley in the in the transfer portal. Um, and meanwhile, Holinsky, they reveal, has been playing with a torn MCL. No wonder he's stunk on ice. So it has just been a crazy, crazy last week. To me, it was the most interesting rivalry week when you take it from Thursday all the way through Monday and guys stepping down or guys getting fired, all the stuff that happened that I've ever can remember. I thought it was just tremendous. Um, So I'm going to get to the coaches, coaching situations, Florida's bowl situation, three things, all that. Right now we're going to take a break, come back in just a minute with Uh, Ryan McGee from ESPN, and you know him from the Marty McGee Show. You're listening to the Duly Noted Podcast at GatorSports.com. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit Zaxby's.com. Okay, welcome back to the Duly Noted Podcast. Appreciate everybody for clicking on, and right now it's a great privilege to be uh, bringing in our our next guest uh, we've had a lot of great guests this year uh, this is about as good as they get Ryan McGee you know him very well from uh, Marty and McGee Uh it should be McGee and Marty I think but that's not the point uh, oh you my new best friend for saying that. <laughs> and also the bottom 10 which is uh, you can see that on ESPN it cracks me up at least I would say every other week how's that that's not bad
1: that's fair. No, that's good enough. My, my, if if I can, my my goal is to make my editor laugh. If I can make him laugh, he's he's basically a statue. So if I can make him laugh, then I feel like I got a good chance. Of everybody else.
0: When you you know when you started uh, to write the the bottom ten, and obviously everybody remembers Steve Harvey and the sure, and and, the, and you acknowledge him all the time. But that was like remember back in the days of syndicated columns and newspapers, and you would have. The bottom ten. Everybody had it. Like the the paper in Topeka had it. The paper paper in Gainesville have it.
1: Yeah, no, and that's why I'm always really careful to thank Steve Harvey. And uh, and he Steve was on Twitter for like five minutes at one point, and I tried to <laughs> I tried to thank him personally, but he's retired and somewhere like Hermosa Beach or something. But he yeah. And, and then and then for those of us who grew up in the southeast, you had Leonard's losers.
0: Oh, I love Leonard's right? losers. And, yeah, man.
1: and so uh, at, at some point I'm going to do. A Leonard Losers themed bottom ten. The problem is, I know I'm going to alienate like three quarters of the country because they won't have any idea what I'm talking about.
0: Well, I I do once a year. I do one of my picks in my picks column. I do it in the Leonard Losers voice. It's awesome. Yeah.
1: No, it's, it's, the rich
0: academs.
1: Yeah. Isn't it funny because there's just those things that, that you grew up with that um. Yes, the joke will be lost on the millennials, but that's <laughs> all right. We don't we, you know, they don't listen to me anyway.
0: Yeah. Well the funny thing is my wife didn't know about winners losers and we went yeah. and youtubed it and listened to it and she was laughing so hard because she had heard me and Robbie Andrew do uh, our versions yeah, of
1: No, I, I, I say all the time the perfect measuring stick for any any project. Is my wife because she could care less about any of this, and if she thinks a story I'm working on is interesting, or like, like I always tell my friends that direct thirty for thirties. I'm like, my wife loved it, and if she loved it, it was really yeah. good because she has no idea, like she has no idea what SMU that they got in trouble in the '80s, but uh, but she'll sit and watch that thirty for thirty. So yes, so thank thank heavens for the wives that don't pay attention to what we do.
0: Or, the like, the Big East. Which, like, Even when I watched the Big East story, I was like, I, I forgot how great the Big East was in yeah. basketball.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's awesome. No, it's, uh, and there's a – yeah, I, I shamelessly will make her watch watch it all over and over and over again. I haven't got my daughter converted yet, but my wife's in.
0: Well, the uh, the bottom ten will be up tomorrow at ESPN.com. You can see it there, and I will be looking at that. But also the Marty McGee Show, which uh, you guys are really making a kill in doing that because everybody seems to – you know, at first I was like, "I oh, don't see how this goes," and then uh, everybody seems to really like it, and it's, it seems to be doing really well.
1: Yeah, you sound just like uh, me and Marty. That's exactly <laughs> what we were saying. And we, um, you know, thankfully we have we have bosses who let us do uh, kind of whatever we want to do, and um, and we literally walk off the set. Whether it's the radio show on Saturday mornings, you know, during you know, nine months of the year, whether it's the TV show in the fall, we literally walk off the set and look at each other and go. I can't believe they let us do that. Or we say, you know what? That was probably the last one. That's probably they're probably going to shut us down after that. And uh, knock on wood, dude. They keep they keep calling us back.
0: How great was it though to have a studio set up there at Hoover in that uh, hotel and just be able to bring one coach in after another?
1: Hey, one of the great shocks of my life was the first time we did that was two summers ago down at when, when the SEC media days were in Atlanta. Yeah, and. Marty and I were actually in my kitchen in Charlotte, North Carolina, about to get in the truck and drive to Atlanta. And we, received, we knew we were going to record these coaches' shows, these specials. And we had not done Marty McGee on television at all at that point. We were just doing our ESPN radio show. And we received a, a simultaneous text to both of us from one of our bosses in Atlanta said, Hey, here's a photo of the set we're building in Atlanta for these shows. And Marty and I are never one to be stunned in the silence, but we were that day because we thought we'd just have like an American flag and some deer <laughs> antlers and a couple folding chairs, and they built that set. And I was like, dude, this is an audition. And it, sure enough, it was, and it went well, thankfully. But, yeah, having that set up in Hoover was great. The only problem was is that it might have been 18 degrees
0: yeah, in that room. Always and is, so, yeah,
1: Yeah, and Marty has 0.1% body fat, and so he was sh- we, had- we had to keep his hands from shivering the whole time.
0: What, not only that, but you, in the commercials for that, you got Will Muschamp to loosen up. That's hard yeah. to do.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and it's funny, too, because everybody, people say it all the time, and I always say so. The, so there's really been two Will Champs. There was the Florida Will Muschamp, which was the first Will Muschamp that I got to know. And I didn't like that guy very much. <laughs> and then there's the South Carolina Will Muschamp. And I think that, I mean, he's genuinely having a good time. I mean, you know, he doesn't like losing, obviously, and, and they had a disappointing season. But um, he looks like he's enjoying himself. And, and I you know, I think he kind of has a second lease on the job. I talk to Ed Ogeron about this all the time, about the fact that he really genuinely, since he became the head coach at LSU, looks like he's enjoying himself. You compare that to, that guy at Ole Miss who looked like his pants were too tight all the time, you know, he just he, he just was squeezing too hard. And and so I think these guys, when they get a second chance, you know, even if it's been a disappointing year, um, I, I think that Will Muschamp's the first want to tell you that a, a bad year as a head coach is still a lot more fun than having a
0: real job. Because we're in Gainesville, I want to ask you one Gator question before we talk about some of the coaching coaches that did get fired. Uh, when you look from afar at this Florida program and what what he's been able to do, winning ten games each year, and this year with a l- limited roster and no yeah. running game, um, uh, how impressed are you with the job Dan Mullen's been able to do?
1: I'm shocked. And last year was last year caught me so off guard because I just felt like, I mean, it felt like it was going to take a while. I mean, it just was. There were a lot a lot of work that had to be done. A lot of things that had to be done to get it back to where you wanted it, and certainly where it was, you know, after he left with the national championship and Tebow and all that stuff. I just, I was shocked at how successful they were, as quick as they were. There's no way I thought they would be in the mix, you know, for the East in his first year, and they were. And, and so, yeah, it's, and then you, if you really paid attention, which I know everyone in your neck of the woods does on a daily basis, if you really paid attention, then you know you're exactly right to, to take what was, uh, I mean, depleted is not a strong enough word. And to turn that into the, the the season that they've had, regardless of where they play on New Year's Day, it was, um, no, I'm totally impressed. And, I, and I'm just, and I'm impressed with, with, with Dan. I, I think that he, um, uh, he just, he again, he looks like he's enjoying himself. And, and, and in and that job, as we know, uh, has been known to suck people 's souls out of their bodies and and it hasn 't done that with him and he 's really enjoying himself and has embraced it and so uh no i'm i 'm completely i think it 's an underreported story uh the job that he 's done
0: Obviously, when we go to uh, Atlanta back again there this year for SEC Media Days, this year we get to meet three new people. I mean, uh, we don't know who yeah. they're going to be yet, but last year it was kind of weird that there was there was nobody new. Uh, but, but what – you know, obviously, Chad Morris only surprised you in that they didn't even give him two full years. Odom and Luke both kind of caught me off guard um, just because, obviously – Um, what Keith Carter had said about Matt Luke uh, but I think in the end the dog peeing thing was just too much they were the laughing stock of the nation yeah
1: no I agree with that and and spoiler alert when the bottom 10 uh, does hit ESPN.com on Wednesday you know we have the coveted fifth spot which is reserved for a team that's not one of the 10 worst teams in the country but that particular week they deserve to be on the list and uh, spoiler alert Ole Miss makes the list this week. It, it was, it was, you know, and Alabama should thank them because uh, Alabama made the mistake that might have cost them the Iron Bowl, but uh, no one noticed because of the mistake that was made in the Egg Bowl the night before. It, 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 it the thing that's heartbreaking for me is. Is that and and yes, by the way, I agree with you on Chad Morris. I, I, I you know I, I, I understand things weren't going where they thought they were going to go, but I don't know if people understood how bad off that place was. It, it took him it took him about three or four years to get SMU turned around, and SMU was in a you know in the mix for a uh, for a New Year's Six ball all year. So and those were his guys. So I was a little surprised at that. But, but in the case of Luke and Odom, it's just heartbreaking because that was those two jobs were their dream jobs. Right. Those guys played there. Uh, in the case of Matt Luke, you know, his brother played there, his father played there, he grew up in Oxford, uh, his family still lives there, an entire extended family. He and I have joked around about it. he can't go to the grocery store because he'll run into a cousin. And so I just feel bad for those two because these were the the only job those guys wanted was the job they just lost. And I don't know that either one of them were given the opportunity uh, to to maybe you see the success they could have had. Listen, Barry Odom's case, he inherited a mess, and, and the transition that he helped that program make uh, from Gary Pinkle to where they are now I think is underappreciated. And in the case of Matt Luke, um, I just don't think he was given enough time. But, yeah, in the end, uh, you can't lose the Egg Bowl on an unsportsmanlike. You can't, yeah. and that's exactly what happened.
0: You know, it's um, it's interesting because whoever both those schools hire – and this is a case with Arkansas as well, but in this, it's more so in the case of Missouri and um, uh, Ole Miss. Whoever they hire, that's going to be a stepping stone job for either whoever they hire. Oh yeah, and where where they had people who were gonna weren't looking to go anywhere; they wanted to stay there. Yep. So, uh, but again, sometimes you do that, and that's the best way you do it. Uh, last thing for you, and I appreciate your time so much, uh, Brian. Uh, People are chomping at the bit to get to their typewriters to write about the demise of Alabama football, <laughs> and it, it kind of cracks me up. You know, they lost by three on a on a missed kick, and they lost uh, by uh, less than a touchdown to LSU, who are you know two great two really good football teams. But because they don't have quality wins, and they lost their starting quarterback, right? You know, uh, and they, and they lost their best defensive player before the season started.
1: Yeah. I, and I, and I they lost all their coordinators. Well, you know, it, as, as they do every year.
0: The one thing I w- will point out, and I pointed this out in my column today about Alabama, though, because they keep changing coaches, is that possibly why they're a hundred and eighteenth in penalties this year. Is that I
1: agree maybe- with that one hundred percent. Yep. no, I with you. I-, I read that, and I agree with you one hundred percent because um, I-, I have said that all along, which is you just you can't have this revolving door of coaches and. And keep and be consistent. You just can't. So something has to suffer, and um, you know it certainly isn't recruiting, um, and it certainly isn't the, the, the scheme. Uh, but where is the erosion taking place? It's taking place on that stuff right there. It's it's the process, which is mm-hmm. you know even crazy to say aloud. But but yeah, but I think that's exactly right. I think that it's it's a consistency thing, and the head coach can only do so much. And so I, I think that uh, that's where. You know, when we saw Saving Space start to erupt like that little red guy <laughs> in that that Disney movie Inside Out, I think that's where that came from, which is I think that these are things that are taking place. Are you kidding me? A substitutional fraction? I mean, of all things in the world, all due respect to the to the dog pen thing, uh, there's no way a saving team should ever lose a game or lose a chance to win a game on a substitution fraction yeah. and, just put and that's exactly
0: any 11 guys out there you'll be fine
1: <laughs> anybody yeah just don't have 12 and yeah. so it, it, it was it was um and you know and listen And as frustrated as, as Auburn fans get with the whole gunslinger see the pants thing that Gus Malzahn does it, it's one two iron balls yeah between the kick six and and that deep move he made uh, to to create that enforcement or create the the, um, the substitution fraction, yeah, I, people get frustrated. But you know what, you you won two iron balls, out of the deal. So, no, but I'm with you. I think that that's what I've always pointed to, which is you can't keep losing your entire coaching staff essentially every year and replacing them, and not lose a little bit of quality control. And that's exactly what's going on.
0: You can watch Marty McGee on the SEC Network and read the bottom ten in on ESPN.com. It's a great pleasure to have Ryan McGee on our show and we will take a break right now and come back with you after this break on the Duly Noted Podcast at Gatorsports.com. Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or visit Zaxby's.com. All right, thanks so much to uh, Ryan McGee. Um, You know, it's funny, Ryan uh, is a a big NASCAR guy and I... um, I don't really know him, uh, but I I've texted him a few times, things he's written, and we've kind of gotten to know I, we know each other a little bit. But uh, I'm looking forward to maybe I, I would be great to be at the SEC championship game to see him. And that that was the one thing. And I, I look, I get it. We it's a different world we're living in right now. Um, we don't travel as much as we used to. Nobody does. It's just the way it is. But we used to cover the SEC championship game. No matter, I didn't care who was in it. It could have been. Uh, Auburn and ISIS, we'd have been there, but um, the um, the weird thing about it is that that was the best part about that was you would find out a lot of things that were going on. In fact, I remember one time being up there and finding out, in oh oh no ninety eight, I wrote a, my whole column was about Florida was going to go to the Orange Bowl and play Syracuse, and it was exclusive news at the time. Nobody, but I I overheard some stuff, listened in, eavesdrop, talked to some guys. Blah, blah, blah. That's the way you did it back then. But now we'll have to wait and see until they announce it. I do have feelings about it, but first let's talk about the coaching carousel. Brad, do we have any music like that? It's a crazy one this year, and it's only going to get crazier. Um, certainly, we talked about Odom and Luke both getting fired Uh, By their schools, both of them surprises. In fact, I was, um, I've been stunned by a lot of things. Chris Peterson stepping down yesterday. I was actually eating lunch in in a restaurant and I'm looking at my phone. All of a sudden, I just went, What? And people looked at me. I go, No, 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 no big deal. I I just, it has been crazy. Um, The Odom and Luke thing, both, they stunned me. So you have three openings in the SEC right now. There's a lot of talk that Kiffin to Arkansas and, of course, Florida uh, doesn't play them. They play Ole Miss. So, I, I, you know, it would be kind of a cool story to write about Kiffin if he was at Ole Miss. But eh, let's see him in Arkansas. I want to see that. I mean, we should all be rooting for that, for uh, Lane Kiffin among the hogs. I think that, that's going to be hilarious. Um, and we'll see what happens. Now, the FSU situation, the, the, the feeling is Mike Norvell is going to get that job and they're going to announce it after the, uh, the, their uh, championship game against Cincinnati. You wonder if the Memphis team will be a little distracted knowing they're about to lose their coach. And he probably isn't going to coach them in the bowl game, which, if they win, will probably be the Cotton Bowl. Um. Yeah. So it makes me wonder if I should pick Cincinnati, but look, Norvell's a guy that I thought I thought should have been a candidate for the Florida job Uh, when uh, when Mackewin was fired. uh, There is there's some stuff there. He's he's uh, had you know. There's nothing big there. Uh, Just like might not be the coach you you want. He's Dana Holgerson with hair. Let's just put it that way. Um. So. A lot of people at, you know, the FSU message boards and stuff like that are are depressed over this. They, that's the best we can do because you guys, you fell into the trap of listening to people who don't know what they're talking about. Now, I'm saying this, and I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, not when it comes to Florida State in terms of their coaching search, but you believe if you if you're an FSU fan. And and this was going on in the conversations in the press box that it was now look I was dead wrong on Shiano. we all know that but there was a they still believe Bob Stoops had been in the building um and they were going to hire him and then the the second one the fallback was James Franklin and I'm like what <laughs> I think you guys have been getting into the wacky tobacco. Because I didn't see any way that was going to happen. Either one of those things was going to happen. Now, they still might, but I don't think they are. I know that uh, Bobby Stoops was with his uh, XFL team today. So apparently he's not planning on doing anything. Um, And it looks like Norvell will be the guy, and he's a very good coach. He took over a great situation that Justin Fuente had left him and and made it even better. Uh, I will say this, they are 100 – if you average out his time there, their average is 109th in penalties, okay? Uh, That's been a problem for FSU, as we all know. We'll see what happens there. But, again, it might not happen. Things are crazy. Um, We don't have to worry about the Peterson opening or the Jay Peterman opening, but the Peterson opening because they filled it with a guy in staff who I don't know anything about – is it Jimmy Lake, I believe is his name. Um, so I don't know if that means Washington is gonna be irrelevant for a while. What will happen with uh USF is on a lot of talk they're gonna bring Taggart back. Feel bad for Charlie, feel bad for Kerwin Bell, and um rough um you know I also feel bad for Steve Adazio. Steve is a good guy. One of the, one of the best, really. I I made a mistake with Steve Adazio once, and I regretted it ever since. And It was just something I I wrote where I probably was putting too much blame on him for what was going on with Florida's offense in 2010. And I've I've said before, I I shouldn't have done that. The problem was Urban Meyer. All right, we'll go into now this SEC media days in Atlanta next year with three new coaches – But we're going to have three guys who are on really, really hot seats. They cannot get much hotter. Because Will Muschamp, the the contract saved him because it was too expensive and they didn't want to let it. They didn't want to pay it. And they said, look, Will, you've done this before, right, where you get rid of a bunch of coaches. You did it at Florida. You got rid of Brent Pease. You know, even though he you loved him to death, and you guys hugged and cried when you when he fired him, right? But well, you got to get rid of some guys you really like, okay? So he's cut Jeff Dillman, the strength coach, and who was here. He cut uh, a couple other guys, uh, demoted uh, Tavares Robinson, and we'll see what happens there because it's clearly he's right where he kind of was with his career here. Had a bunch of injuries, had a bad season, season they weren't expecting. All right, they're going to give him one more. He's cha- making some changes. Let's see what happens. Um, it seems to be a pattern with uh, Will Muschamp. Then you also have, uh, obviously, Derek Mason, who they they uh, kept because they don't want to kick the can. We talked about this earlier. They don't want to keep kicking the can, just keep bringing new coaches in. And uh, I, I kind of get that, but he – Believe me, he knows he's on a hot seat. He better do better than, what are they, 3-9 and this year? And you have Joe Moorhead, and a lot of people thought he should have been fired. And maybe because that young man, Elijah Moore, who I've talked to somebody who knows the situation, and he's not a bad kid, he just made a mistake, and he is beside himself with grief. And I feel bad for him, and the kicker is as well. Um, Yeah, I feel bad for those guys. Their coach got fired because of what they did. But they didn't do it on perp. They you can't say they didn't do it on purpose because Elijah Moore knew exactly what he was doing. It's just that he didn't know the ramifications were going to be. But hey, everything. Is, and again, people always say this. That doesn't define the guy. he Is it's part of the definition. Quit saying that. Everybody's definition is everything they've done in their lives. You know, um, I'm gonna. I don't want to. I don't want to slander myself, but. Uh, the other day I didn't, uh, put the seat up on the toilet. Okay. That's part, that's part of my definition, but it doesn't define who I am. Everything defines who you are. So anyway, Joe Moorhead, there's a lot of people wanted him out. They're going to give him another year. I don't think this is going to go well. It was a strange hire to start with. You know, just to have a guy kind of come out of, uh, what was he? He's from Pittsburgh area, right, into that environment. Because it's not like you're hiring a guy to go to, um, oh, I don't know, uh, even like Colorado or UCLA. Like, it's not like that. Or uh, or, or uh, North Carolina. You're hiring a guy to go to a place that is different, okay? And it not worked so far. So we'll see as the carousel spins and spins and spins. Um, my Bolitnikoff ballot is in. I voted for Jamar Chase from LSU first, Michael Pittman second, CeeDee Lamb third. I cannot tell you what my Heisman ballot will be, but I will not be voting on it till Sunday. We received them this week. I'm not allowed to tell you. I think you can guess who's in first, and you probably can guess who's in second. I'm debating third. My all SEC has to be in at the end of this week. Uh, Grenard and Pitts will both be on the first team. I got. I'm gonna give some guys a little love that maybe, you know, uh, it's a, home, a little homerish. But look, this team won ten games. I can't have two guys on the team. There are so many great players in this league, though. It really is hard. But I, I worked on it for like an hour and a half last night, and it's still not even close to being done. All right. So it's because it's voting season. I, I'm thinking about. I think I said this earlier putting Kyle Trask second team because of what he did to get that team to 10 and two. You know, and you can say, well, what about Tua? Yeah, I know. You're right. That probably is who I should vote for, but I'm going to vote for Kyle Trask because it's such a great story. Second, we all know who's first team. All right. Just a quick look at the games from the weekend. And like I said, it was the best rivalry weekend. Uh, ever. Uh, the, the, the Auburn game, uh, Mad Nick Saban is the coolest thing in the world. I love Mad Nick Saban, but the, the Auburn-Alabama game was just an amazing thing, and I, and I couldn't take my eyes off of it. The Florida game was almost ready to start, and I said, they can kick it off without me. I'm not missing the end of this game. Um, and then the stuff that happened after the game with the Hedges swallowing up those women, that was, that was good comic relief as well. Uh, LSU, you knew. After the Arkansas game that LSU played, you knew AM was in trouble. Because when you saw Ed Ogeron stand up there and everything he was talking about was AM and they were mad and they were, you know, you don't want to make him mad and the whole team was mad and they were gonna come out with a focus at home. A M never had a chance in that game. In in retrospect, it was probably the easy. I don't remember if I made it the lock bet last week, but I should have. It was probably the easiest money anybody could have ever made. LSU was going to kill AM and they were going to keep the the hammer down on them. Uh, obviously, Ohio State over Michigan. Um, if you're a Michigan fan, you got to be wondering if it's ever going to get good for you. Uh, it, you know, you've got a nice program there, and you win a lot of games. You recruit pretty decent, you know. But I think it's 17 out of 19, and uh, Harbaugh can't beat them. So. What do you do? What do you do, though, if you're if you're Michigan? You say, uh, it's not good enough. The things you're doing aren't good enough. We want to beat Ohio State. Okay. But you, you owe me a ton of money. And I'm beating everybody else for the most part. I just can't, can't win that game. I don't know what you do. And Jim McElwain won his division. How about that? You know, it's pretty amazing because when he left here – of course, everybody, everybody kind of began to badmouth him, and you started to hear things, and I started to hear things that things. I'm not, I'm standing behind a lot of the stuff that I heard was coming from very reputable people who were there. Um, I, I I know why he got fired, but I also know why he was um, wasn't more successful than he was, and yet. He won two division championships here in Florida. He got the benefit of uh, that. nobody was strong in the East. That was when the West was killing the East, if you remember. But the thing is, now that he goes and wins a team that won one game and now he's playing for the division championship, maybe we were all wrong. Maybe he's a really good coach. He did some things here that were wrong. He should not have hired the strength coach he hired. He should not have played the room the way he always did like, you know, always pushing people away and I don't know if he's doing it there, but nobody probably cares, there's probably three guys covering that team there's probably, the fan base isn't very big, obviously, so it's not as big a deal maybe he's actually, knows what he's doing he just didn't do it the right way here anyway that's enough of that, right, let's um, let's do three things (laughs) It's time for three things. Three things. Okay. Number one, dabbo dabboing again. Um, It used to be Clemson is Clemsoning, which would mean they would blow it. Dabo's dabo you know, nobody wants us in this thing. Everybody hates us. I don't understand why Etienne isn't in the Doak Walker. Nobody likes us. Nobody respects us. And, you know, it, it is getting a little tiresome listening to him that everybody's out to get them. Nobody's out to get you. Look, people, have all they've said is if you lose a game, you're out because you haven't played anybody. It's not your fault. You haven't played anybody. You 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 scheduled a, a pretty what you thought was a pretty good team turned out to be a lousy one. In AM, um you but the, it's not your fault. The ACC stinks on ice, right? So, but it's the way it is. It's the way it is for Alabama, and we're, we'll see what happens tonight. But uh, I, and look, I could do a whole another ten minutes on what I think is going to happen tonight, but. Um, I don't, I tell you what, I'm going to cross out number two and I'm going to do a little thing on that. Okay, here we go. So anyway, Dabo, it's getting old. Uh, if your guy isn't in there, it's not because it's, it's, it's just maybe because there are, there are guys that we all think are better. Yeah. T Higgins is a great player. He's not one of the three best I saw this year. Okay. And I can only vote for three. Etienne. Very good. All right, who are you going to eliminate? Jonathan Taylor, no. Chubba Hubbard, no. Um, I might want to sneak him in there third, but I I love Edwards herlair. He's going on my first team All SEC. So I I don't know the, which one of those guys I go with, but I mean the the point is nobody wants you out of it. Nobody wants you in it. We're just covering the games, watching them, see what happens. None of the, none of the commentators want you out. None of them want you in. They just want to, whoever, whatever it is, show it to us, and then we'll we'll predict who's going to win. Uh, number two was going to be that Ju ended football today, but really that's that's boring anyway. Uh, it's just been a bad week for Kerwin Bell because I'm sure it hurts him because he started that program anyway. But your number two, yeah, is what happens tonight with the college football playoff. It's going to be really interesting, Gator fans. It's important. Are you going to be behind or ahead of Alabama and Auburn and Penn State? Where are you going to be in in relation to those three teams, most importantly? Because in a perfect world, you have – you know, Baylor loses to Oklahoma and drops below you. Wisconsin loses. Um, you want Wisconsin to lose, and this it gets really complicated. You want Wisconsin to lose – and then, then Penn State is insignificant because Penn State goes to the Rose Bowl. Wisconsin drops down. I'm not sure that they'll be ranked high enough. It's all based on rankings. It's not about fannies in the seats. It's not about fan bases. It's not about geography. It's all about rankings. So, perfect world, Georgia actually beats LSU, and both teams end up in the playoff, okay? Now, if that happens um, – because of where Florida will be ranked, they're they're pretty much locked into one of the bowl games. And we'll have to wait and see. It could be sugar. It could be orange. It could be cotton. Cotton Bowl will be taking the group of five. That's actually the game you probably would like to play in. You won't be playing as good a team. However, if you end up in the Orange Bowl uh, against Wisconsin, not against Wisconsin, I'm sorry, they, they would play Virginia because Virginia – say Virginia loses to Clemson – that's not too bad either. Virginia's got a nice little team, but they, you know it's not like you're worried about them. Um, but it's all gonna all that's gonna matter is where they're ranked because in theory they don't play anybody else, so they shouldn't really change that much. In theory, Florida, Auburn, and Alabama have already played LSU, and in the case of Auburn and Florida, Georgia. So whoever wins that game should not affect the ranking that much. However. If Georgia did win, it might hurt Alabama. You could see Alabama drop a spot. Like if if tonight it's Alabama eight, Florida nine, you could see them flip flop because Georgia beat LSU. So, look, it's complicated. I love it. I've been I have been studying it and studying it, and I'm I loved every minute of it. Okay, all right. Number three, um, Patriot games. It is fun to watch people fall all over themselves, like they are with. Nick Saban, Nick Saban's done. Nick Saban and Bill Belichick lost on the same weekend for the first time. I think it's two thousand one or some crazy thing like that. Um, but they're 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 really on Tom Brady, the national guys. I mean, I don't you know we we don't get to it very much locally here. The Patriots are ten and two, right? Is that a good record or not? I'm sorry, I'm I'm ta- I've been talking. I talked the whole first segment about. Uh team is ten and two and everybody's pretty happy about it. They're ten and two. Yeah, they their offense isn't very good. Yeah. Okay. But they built it on defense. Here, here's a stat for you. You know who scored the fifth most points in the NFL this year? The Patriots. Now I know they've gotten a lot of defensive touchdowns and stuff, but they've scored. The main the name of the game is scoring. It doesn't matter how you score. The only teams ahead of them are the Ravens, Chiefs, Bucks, for some reason, and 49ers in terms of scoring. So I think the Patriots are going to be just fine. It may make it more interesting that they're flaw- they have flaws on offense. I'm going to enjoy that. I'm going to enjoy uh, you know, a lot of things coming up. Hey, we just finished one of the great, fun, regular seasons in college football. To me, it made up last year wasn't that much fun. That was fun for Gator fans, but last year college football wasn't that great. You know, when they remember they were doing the twenty-five best games of the year and we we're like, that's number thirteen? I didn't even watch that game, it was so bad. This year you're gonna have a million ones to choose from. It was another great college football regular season. But we're just getting started. We've got championship Saturday. We've got playoffs, we have got bowl games, we got NFL playoffs. NFL doesn't hold a candle to, to the um, to college football in my mind. I know in the national mind it does. Um, but it's still, I love watching the playoffs. So we got all that coming up and Gator basketball, which I haven't even talked about today. We'll talk a little bit more about them. And don't forget, as we go forward on these podcasts, there'll be a lot of Gator basketball talk. So there's just so much coming up, and I love it. I'm loving it. Uh, Hot pockets. No, I'm, I'm all of a sudden I channeled Jim Gaffigan for a minute. All right, here we go. Let's say goodbye. You have talked long enough, Pat Dooley. You are over an hour, I think, or close to it. God, you just talk too much. Quit talking so much. All right, here we go. Let's say goodbye. And we will be back next Tuesday. Also, Robbie and I have got a really cool thing planned. It's going to be a video presentation. Just keep an eye out for it next week, probably next weekend about we're going to do our awards. Maybe we should call them the Dooleys. Yeah, it wouldn't be fair to Robbie. All right, I'm Pat Dooley. I'm the sports columnist of the Gainesville Sun. I am deep, I am way back, and I am out of here. Tailgates and Gator Winds call for the best cigars available from around the world. Pick your sticks today and save at the Florida family-owned site, thehumidor.com. Get free shipping on every cigar order. Find boxes from the biggest brands, samplers hand-selected by Top Tobacconists, or pick your own single sticks. Thehumidor.com, going the distance for fine cigars.